you drink one, drink two, drink three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys. Blue lights, super Lincoln, four o'clock in the morning. State Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul, better call Saul. You wanna tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. <laughs> Blue lights start to blink and those handcuffs click. You know who to call. Where did this come from again? Okay, so this is uh, Junior Brown. Uh, he wrote the song, but the lyrics are by show creators Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould. It's Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul. Well, welcome to TV Soup. One more episode of the broadcast that we just started recently. Hope you guys uh, have enjoyed so far and will do so in the future. So, uh, tonight we are reviewing the latest episode of Better Call Saul, episode 3, which is called Nacho. And uh, again, you have uh, Jason Evans and myself, David Biggs, here as your, uh, as your co-hosts. And, uh, and we're in the car on the journey of, of Better Call Saul, basically. Uh, okay. What kind of car are we driving? It's probably a Pinto or something awful. Something awful right now? We haven't upgraded yet? No. We'll upgrade, I think, a little bit later in the season. Sounds great. So, um, what are you drinking, Jason? Uh, well, I have a two brothers. Thank you uh, for sponsoring the show, even though we haven't gotten anything from you guys yet. Uh, um, two brothers, uh, Cain and Abel, Red Rye Ale. It is um, a 7% ABV uh, beer from two brothers who are out of Warrenville, Illinois. Uh, one of our favorite brewers. Uh, fun place to go visit. They make awesome beer, uh, and we like to drink it. Dave, what do you have? Yes, we do. Uh, I'm drinking Coconut Porter from Paw Paw Brewery, and it is pretty good. It is a, uh, a solid, like thicker sort of beer, but it's not offensive, uh, and it doesn't taste that much like coconut. Uh, yeah, however, it's a very smooth porter. It uh, it is still a porter. I'm I'm getting used to it myself, but I am not generally a huge fan. Uh, I believe it's below zero, so it's a good time for a porter. It, it's going to be below zero here uh, in the Chicago area for quite some time. Um, now, Better Call Saul just aired last night, and this is the third episode. It right. was called Nacho. The first two episodes were called Uno and Mijo. Uh, we went over them. If you're interested, you can check them out on uh, drink5.com, and we have all of those uh, episode reviews located at the TV Soup podcast under Drink 5 Podcasts on the website. Uh, so what have we to say, and uh, what's the drinking game for tonight? All right, uh, so I think that the drinking game for tonight uh, should be whenever someone says Kettleman. What do you think? You think we'll get too drunk? Kettleman. Kettleman. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's practice. Got it. All right. So we start off... Sorry, uh, it was an air cheers. I apologize. Ching! <laughs> we start off the episode, and it's a flashback, right? So we're now in a flashback inside of a flashback. So we're going deeper into the dream. Oh, no, wait, that's Inception. Anyways, um, I wonder if we'll go back even further and see Jimmy in grade school back in Cicero. You know, you never know. You never know. Uh, so or, or him being born. Well, I mean, that would be a flashback inside of a flashback inside of a flashback. <laughs> He'd be sitting around in grade school imagining himself being born, which would be really weird. So at that point, we'll probably end up seeing uh, Bruce Willis or uh, 
Uh, <laughs> Bruce Willis will come back around and try and shoot himself. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Anything's right. possible at this point. Okay, so uh, in this flashback, we see uh, Jimmy's brother, Chuck, who is much younger. He's a nice, posh lawyer, and he is carrying an electronic device. So we know that this is uh, a flashback because we know that Chuck no longer associates with electronic devices. Uh, so he's grounding himself, so to speak, at the beginning of the episode. Because he's getting rid of all of his things, putting them all in the box. Uh, which is what he makes people do now when he goes, when they come to see him. Uh, so we also see Jimmy, who is under arrest. Um, and uh, in order to fit in with the flashback, he apparently raided the wig department of the Americans. Because he has a terrible, like, mullet style wig on. Um, anyways... Uh, he's in some trouble, and he needs his big brother to bail him out, and his big brother's been there before, and he's sick of this. Um, but you don't really get any details about this. And I can only assume that this will be relevant at some point. Vince Gilligan does not have throwaway scenes. Everything uh, is there for something else, is there to set up something else, or is there to demonstrate uh, the effectiveness of something else. So this is going to be useful later, whether it's just setting up the relationship between them or maybe why Jimmy becomes a lawyer. I agree with you. I, I'm a little worried, though, about the show, and I, maybe you bring this up later. I'm not quite sure, but um, just because of the fact that there starts to be, uh, in this episode particularly, uh, and starting in the first one with the two skateboarding twins, you know, uh, some some elements that, that appear to be thrown in there uh, pretty haphazardly. Hazardly. Yeah. But but I guess I mean the reason is the payback, right? But I'm a little worried about the build up. That's that's all I'm I'm saying. Look, not everything is um, paying off to build up to something large. So we actually see the reason why uh, the skateboarders were useful lap- last episode and this episode. And you know, as you pulled on me earlier, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, so, anyways, um, when we leave the flashback, we can only assume that Jimmy gets out of jail and all that good stuff. Uh, so Jimmy's at his quote-unquote office. Um, he's enjoying some cucumber water, which, I mean, have you ever tried cucumber water, Dave? Sure. Is it any good? Sure, but I like cucumber. It's just, it has a kind of a refreshing taste to it. In fact, one of the best cocktails I've ever had is a place called Sable in Chicago, which yeah. was a uh, it was a, a whiskey. It was a like a rye whiskey, and then it had an ice cube in it, a big ice cube. And on top of the ice cube was one cucumber. That was the drink. And so as you slowly drink it, uh, it melts, and then eventually you get like a little bit of this cucumber into the whiskey. But as you mentioned, he was able to drink the cucumber water. In episodes one and two, he always kind of had his wrist slapped. Granted, this is like two in the morning. Yeah, this is after And he's drunk calling uh, his uh, like ex-girlfriend fling, you know. Sure, he's calling Kim. But but I think it, it kind of signifies drinking the cucumber water at the beginning of the episode that this is kind of a win for him. It's a win today. Uh, he starts off. Way. He starts off pretty good here. He's like, "Oh yeah, like uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm drinking that cucumber water. I'm taking it." He is mixing it with some sort of alcohol <laughs> to make it a good drink. He's, so maybe it's a maybe it's a high class drink. He's slipping. Okay, uh, so he's talking to Kim, and uh, his whole point in calling her is to sort of whether or not he realizes it, warn her about the Kettleman's, and I'll drink for that in a second. Warn her that somebody may be coming after them, that somebody may be interested in the money that they stole. Um, So he sort of flippantly says it and then just kind of plays it off like he's drunk. Um, But you can tell that it's eaten at him, right? And one of the things that uh, I think that they're trying hard to establish early on is that he's not a bad guy. Um, You know, 
I think, you know, maybe they're trying to give the impression uh, that he... Definitely, they're trying to give the impression that he is in a world full of these skeezy lawyers and full of these gangsters, and he doesn't fit in with either side, right? He's his own guy. Um, he's not a bad guy. He doesn't want to hurt people, but he'll also not feel particularly bad about ripping people off. Well, isn't it true, in your opinion, at least, and and also what you've seen in Breaking Bad, uh, that he's probably just going to continue to have more of the same, which is this guy who is just thrown into these weird situations yeah, and it has to either make the best of them or drown trying. There's some great quotes from him from Breaking Bad that uh, people on like the subreddit Better Call Saul are hoping will come up. Like when he first meets Jesse and Walt, um, he, he, he's afraid that they were sent by someone. And when it turns out that they weren't sent by him, he's like, oh, thank God. You know, and he's he's about to be killed, but he's like, "Oh, thank God you weren't sent by that person." And it's just like I want to see him get in that trouble, or I want to see him refer to his uh, father walking in on his father sleeping with his second wife or something like that. Like, who knows if like these random drops from Breaking Bad could appear? But it could be fun. Could be fun. <laughs> okay, so. Um, you know, after he gets off the phone with Kim, he decides to call the Kettlemans to uh, try and warn them in a disguised voice. But no, I can understand. He's trying to talk like this. So it's, it's the sex robot voice. The sex robot voice. He then just says, you know, tells him to get out of there uh, and warns him. Um, and then you don't see anything else until the next morning. Um, and, uh, you know, he goes through a bunch more of the courthouse crap. Uh, literally, he's talking to the prosecutor in the bathroom, and the prosecutor isn't paying attention to what he has to say. And it's a great scene, um, and I think a lot of these other scenes, you know, they may just be there to kind of set up people as a character. No, I and the point being that he's not paying attention, it's just like, uh, like Jimmy's life does not exist in this weird courtroom relationship as this $700 a case prosecutor. Right. They're just trying to, to, uh, to, to better tell us that over and over again. It's like, you know, none of the stuff that happens here actually really matters because the guy thinks the that, whole story, the, his whole life happens outside of this. Right. The guy thinks that Jimmy is trying to argue a drunk driver who killed three guys down to like 90 days probation. And he's not saying like, what the hell are you thinking? This guy killed something. He's almost expecting him to say that, to try and argue that sort of thing, which just goes to show that like they don't take him seriously. And no, it's not a drunk driver that killed three people. It's uh, just someone who tried to rob a store and stabbed right, someone in the neck what, with a broken bottle. Right, that's what he's trying to argue for. Which is pretty bad, too. But uh, I get it. I, right. At least the person wasn't killed, right? I mean, so but the point you're saying is, is that... Salted uh, him with a Kahlua bottle. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> but the point you're, you're saying and trying to come across with is, uh, is that although um, you know Jimmy's just trying to do his job... Uh, at some point, it feels like he's just saying the same words over and over again, going through the same motions, and and this this character is illustrating that opinion. Yeah, and we got a sense of that at the end of the last episode too. Sure. Okay, so um, he has another run in with Mike, and I have a few interesting thoughts about Mike. Um, he is uh, the only character in this show who is from Breaking Bad who actually looks older. 
Like, they didn't do anything with Mike to try and make him look younger. What were they going to do? Give him, like, a bad toupee or something? I don't think it would have to be that bad of a toupee. I don't know what they could do. So, I mean, so basically they're it saying almost that, feels like they didn't do it. They didn't try anything. Basically, they're saying, like, when, when Breaking Bad happened and, and Mike is, is in there as a character, he's probably taken, like, an, an awful lot, uh, an inappropriate amount of Rogaine or something and rubbed it on his head. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're saying? So he's uh, he's gained hair from this. He's basically he has hair plugs in this operation. Just maybe a couple, in the, one or two, in the sequel. Just enough to be subtle in the sequel to Better Call Saul. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, one other interesting thing that I've noticed is that through three episododes, they haven't named him yet. Right. Yeah, but it's, it's everyone for a knows reason. who he is. Yeah. Yeah, and he's not necessarily a big character at this point. He becomes a bigger character in this particular episode because he plays a pivotal role in it. Yes, um, but you know it, it's funny how they, it's still by the end of the episode they still haven't uh, mentioned his name because he's a parking attendant. Like he's no, the no, troll toll. Nobody cares the tr- the toll troll. Nobody cares what his name is. That the most interesting conversation that he's actually had uh, happens towards the end of the episode where he talks to uh, when he to talks Jimmy. to Jimmy in the stairway. Yeah, that's like the most interesting we've had from him the entire series. Yeah. But but he's such a funny character. He's he's one of the biggest parts of comic relief in the entire series. Uh, in this series, yeah. In this series, yeah, of course. Saul but, was the comic relief in Breaking Bad. Well, but so, not all of it. But he served that role from time to time. No, I get it. But well, now you need like so this it's deadpan sort of uh, yeah. of. And Saul still delivers the comedy here. In you know when he was dealing with the skater kids, well he does, fun. but he has to be more than just comedy. So in order to and be, he is. in order to be more than comedy, in order to be dramatic and sad and and uh, you know uh, some someone we actually root for, uh, he can't be in that role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the next morning after he can finally get to sleep after he you know he's warned them he feels like something's been lifted off his chest. Maybe not a great weight, but just okay. some of that weight. Um, so 20 pounds, Kim calls him and tells him that he <laughs> is at, uh, you know, tells him what happens and he goes straight to the house to try and find out more information. Um, of course he shouldn't being a lawyer, he should know not to go to the not house. Not to go. Well, you know, he's not a great lawyer right now. He's not a great lawyer. Okay. Uh, so, you know, the, he goes there and he doesn't know what happened yet. He probably suspects a lot more and suspects things about Nacho, but almost being, you know, playing a good lawyer at this point, he doesn't say anything because he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know anything for sure. He didn't say anything. And that may have been the right thing to do, to not just immediately go talking about Nacho, um, even though it was incredibly suspicious. Uh, and, but he didn't know that, like, Nacho was staking out the house and stuff like that until he talked to him. Well, he actually assumed... That he was staking out the house. Oh, he had a, yeah. Which is why he was warning them. But it it turns out that perhaps it wasn't Nacho at all. Uh, And then later we find out, of course. Right. So Jimmy, you know, he leaves the house and he wants to contact Nacho. He's trying really hard. And this is where, um, you know, Bob Odenkirk's non-comedic side shines through. Uh, you know, he can't be funny all the time. And this scene, even though there is bits of comedy in it, it's not him being funny. It's him being a great actor. He's the only one in the scene. And it's just him at a payphone trying to get a hold of Nacho and leaving a whole bunch of different messages and fumbling with uh, coins and like walking away from the payphone as if he forgot that it had a cord on it. Um, just totally focused on what he's 
trying to do and building the tension in the scene and using the music to help build it. It was a wonderful scene and very well done by Odenkirk. And um, if he can keep up this kind of level of acting, I wouldn't be surprised if he was nominated for a few awards. I'm an actor. That's right. It's a, it's a little slapstick. It's a little over the top, but that's what he's supposed to be because this character is a little crazy, a right. little, a little uh, you know, uh, sort of eccentric. He's playing a crazy eccentric lawyer uh, before he becomes a crazy eccentric lawyer. Yeah, so, so it makes sense, and I, do, I applaud him too. I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. I, uh, I guess I have to kind of reserve my judgment almost on his performance because at some points in this show, for example, I see uh, I see a lot of the characters being comedy relief, and in order to be comedy relief for for uh, for Jimmy McGill's character, for you know for Bob Odenkirk's uh, Odenkirk's character, yeah, um, they have to be extreme because <laughs> because he's a funny guy, and and even when he's not trying to be, he still is kind of comedic. And you know, he was usually the straight man, quote unquote, uh, on you know in the comedy pair, yeah. He wasn't the goofy guy. No, it's true. But but now that the main character is someone who has uh, you know been uh, this sort of comedy guy for a long time, and and I realize that he's doing a good job at his role. But you must agree with me that that instead of having just a uh, a regular sort of uh, of comedic element, now they have to have like a, a kind of a whip crack of comedy. Uh, these like extreme characters in order to make it seem like he is the main character. A little bit, but I mean the most extreme character we've seen is someone who's already been established. Who's that? I would say that that would be Tuco. Well, extreme, but I, but I mean uh, for comedy, for the comedy relief. So you're talking more like the skaters. Yeah, the, the skaters. Yeah. Uh, Freaking frack here. And, and Mike, you know, like they have to be kind of over the top uh, because Bob Odenkirk is funny sort of naturally. Um, You're missing a stamp. <laughs> uh, but anyway. He has some good deadpan delivery. I'll give him that. No, he does. He does. But but I'm just worried that there's going to be like a continual like march of, of these like crazy comic relief characters in order to make him seem more like he's not that role. I think that they'll do a good job at keeping the drama in the forefront uh, and not leaning too much on the comedy. Did they record all of these episodes uh, uh earlier all at the same time are they all already pre-recorded oh yeah yeah this has all been made already okay and in fact after amc had seen uh the first few of them made they went ahead and renewed it for a second season right so roughly around the point where we are right now they decided that they were just going to go ahead and pay for another season well amc obviously got some kind of fortune cookie that was like you're going to have amazing series for the next five years. They were like, hire the next guy named Vince who comes in your office. You should just renew <laughs> all of them for the next five years. Uh, I, it's pretty amazing their, their rise to stardom, but I digress. So you're you're uh, okay. So talking about Saul, Jimmy, really, and whenever isn't the go the running rule? Whenever you call him Saul, when it's really Jimmy, okay, all right, you're supposed to drink. It's uh, two brothers, Cain and Abel. Very nice. Uh, so uh, Jimmy winds up back at the police station after being oh. chased by the cops when he thinks he's being chased by Nacho's guys. Um, but you know that's that may be like we're saying where they're almost trying to shoehorn a little bit of comedy into it. Yeah. Okay. So into the police station, we have a very serious scene where Nacho scares the crap out of Jimmy. He tells him he's going to kill him if the cops don't stop snooping around right away. You know. Jimmy is a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy for kidnapping the Kettlemans. He's a bad guy for other reasons, and he doesn't want the cops to find out. Um, 
So, yes, Nacho was there. Yes, they were going to rob him, but they didn't get a chance to yet. Uh, and Jimmy has really no reason not to believe him. Um, and, you know, it. when you think about it, there's no reason that he would have kidnapped them or uh, robbed them and then stuck around, right? Well, I'm thinking about it. In order to be arrested. Yeah, just sitting in the van. He's like, well, I wanted to, you know, make sure that uh, that they were actually gone because I had actually kidnapped them. Right. That's ridiculous. So, you know, it's now up to Jimmy to sort of figure out what happened to them and to convince the police that it's not Nacho. But isn't it kind of silly, for example, that the police didn't have that same thought uh, owing to the fact that, yes, there was blood in the van, but, like, the the people from the house weren't there, and he was just sitting there. So, like, it didn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that the police... And, and the police officers, by the way... They were kind of whack jobs, weren't they? The like, police officer. And that is like, one thing that I've noticed. Unless a police officer is like a main character in the show, they're all a little bit incompetent. In they are totally Bad. incompetent. In Breaking Bad and now in this show, it's yeah. like... Maybe well, Vince Gilligan just doesn't particularly care for police. They're like, why don't we go to the crime scene? They're like, oh, sure, it's fine. No worries. Like, this is, none of that makes any sense to me. And I, I've seen a lot of procedures. I can understand going to the crime scene. Yeah, but not the way it happened. It was just a ridiculous set of circumstances. I mean, the the dialogue between the police officers and the lawyer are insane. Well, I mean, look, it would go down that way, I think, if they thought that he knew information about where a kidnapped family was. They had the parking because lot. Because he is under no obligation not to tell people about They had that. the parking lot attendant up about assault to him. Like, it was just the most insane. They were trying to lean on him. It was like... It was the most insane like ten minutes I've ever seen in a TV show. It didn't make any sense to me at all. I'm still I'm I'm coasting along here. I'm I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, but you have to admit that. You don't sequence, think that that connected? It was terrible television. The, I, what the parking lot attendant, this this hard ass is 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 pressing charges on uh, on Jimmy for 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 what? What did he do? For poking him yeah and then he destroyed him and right. took him to the ground right. do you think that that mike would have pressed charges i don't know that mike i think mike wanted to scare him with it i don't know that mike ever would have gone through with it and now suddenly he's like engaged in this dialogue with jimmy it just doesn't it's not believable to me that sequence is not believable to me I mean, maybe they'll figure something out later. Maybe maybe I'll understand it later. Do you but, remember how Walt and Jesse came across each other? Sure, of course. That sequence was way more ridiculous than this one. Yeah, but so so am I to understand that in the show I have to deal with ridiculous sequences in order to appreciate the good ones? I think that at I, a certain okay point you have to suspend disbelief because it's television. Yeah, I'm aware oh. of that, man, but they could have made this more believable. Than, than having Mike press charges to him, and that's the reason why like he suddenly believes him, and now they have a rapport with each other. The, the way they get to things, I don't like. I, I, like, okay. I like when they get there. I like, like the destination. I respect your opinion on that, because you know what? It wasn't the cleanest. It wasn't the most natural. I, to me, it worked. I didn't question the, it the until way, you brought that up. The way these shows run, showrunners like get to something... Is is very difficult for me to to it's understand. It's not always easy. Yeah, but it's because they had to get these two characters together. It's because they're in a positive way. They could have come to a better. 
something. What? I mean, what's going to happen? Mike's going to finally be like, all right, you know what? I'll let you slide this time. <laughs> that was never going to happen. Yeah, I get it. Well, you know, without too much dialogue about that. Mike had to, the only way that Mike was going to be nice or any way, in any way befriend Jimmy was that he had to see him in a situation where he was telling the truth, where, you know, he uh, could be respected for what he was doing. Yeah, I understand that. And I get that he believes him too, but I just don't understand the him pressing charges. You, you have to understand this This is all on the one thing for me, you know. Uh, but but it's okay. Well, maybe I, the police were just, I mean, the police were trying to lay it on kind of thick. Like, why don't you help us out here, buddy? I, I can suspend my disbelief and I will. Uh, but... But it's just that one little issue bothers me. I mean, if we're if we're doing a, an honest review of the show, that that is kind of an issue for me because I don't feel like the character Mike would ever have done that. Yeah. So you know. But but assuming he does, Mike you eventually, know. you know, he hears Jimmy's side of the story, decides not to press charges, uh, and Jimmy oh. finally has someone who believes him, who believes that he is telling the truth. So now he's drinking the cucumber water all the time. Yeah, Mike is drinking the cucumber water now. Well, I mean, Jimmy's starting to get that self-confidence. <laughs> I got you. Um, Mike has never been in the Asian nail salon, probably. I, th- I thought it was more like drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> drinking the cucumber water. Uh, You're starting so a new thing here. Mike kind of you know shrugs off the cops because they're, you know, like we said, the, just bit player cops in, these, in this world are kind of, uh, you know, write-offs. Which, I mean, maybe... Maybe that's closer to reality than we think. Maybe there are only a few respectable cops. Who knows? I I, I don't really know. I think that Vince Gilligan just has a certain way of writing his uh, non-main characters. <laughs> so his non-main characters are just not very substantial, is what you're saying? Uh, they serve their parts. They serve their parts, and they may be referenced later. I suppose let's let's talk about this in the context of like a novel. In a novel, you have the main characters that are very well developed. And then uh, perhaps you have a character or two that are a support character. So say these cops are a support character. Uh, I think they're a level below support character. I think like Kim is a support character. So they're basically cop number one and cop number two? Dude, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how they were credited. Okay. We didn't hear their names either. Well, you would think that being involved in this case, which is not over yet, that there would be some kind of continuing storyline. Well, I mean... But I don't want them to come back in the series, so I'm cool with them being cop number one and cop number two. In fact, they could both be cop number one. Who knows? (laughs) Cop number 1A and 1B. Yeah. Okay, so um, you may have thought that you were going to get through an entire episode without a montage. And then you would have been deprived of an awesome montage. You would have montage. been sad. But thankfully, we got a montage in this episode, too. We got one, yeah. So, uh, Elvis. It is an Elvis song that they were playing. Uh, I forget the name of the song now. Um, and I wish I had it because I would uh, play us off with that. Well, Anyways, I'll, I'll look it up for you. Okay, it's an Elvis song. It's like something is happening, I think. Um, so, it's Jimmy walking through the woods. Jimmy is dressed in his suit. He just walks out the backyard of... Uh, the what's their name the kettlemans and i'll drink for that one because and did you notice that the mom called them the kettle crew yeah <laughs> well because they are literally this this like sort of prototypical family living in an affluent suburb and it felt like the kids were just like what are you guys doing of course they're <laughs> i mean you have to think the kids are always like oh, that mom right? you're so lame <laughs> Let's do another round of uh, of of Johnny Crack, whatever you know. Yeah, I want to sing Jing, 
Jingleheimer Smith or whatever the hell it's called. Exactly. Okay, so um, you know he's walking through the woods and he realized that you know they like to go camping and they uh, did not leave via a vehicle. So he decides to go out into the woods because apparently in New Mexico, everything is right next to a vast expanse of nothingness. Um, so that's exactly what's in their backyard. They're able to walk off uh, far enough where nobody, none of the police were going to find them. The police didn't think to like uh, see if the kidnappers took them out that way or anything like that. Um, so clearly the police aren't that great. Yeah. Um, so what's really funny is that he, he comes upon their tent, right? And he calls Kim, and he tells him tells Kim that he found them, and that he's bringing them back to the house. Uh, which, when you think about that call, it's kind of a stupid call to make because he didn't explain anything. He didn't say they're here in a tent singing songs. I just stumbled upon it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more like, you know, I got like, for all they know, he got his client to give the people back, you know, and he's just covering for his client. Um, so we'll find out more about that next episode because uh, basically Saul barges in the tent and he goes, "Here's Johnny," and scares the crap out of the entire family. No, they have to. They have to think uh, these police officers or whatever. And by the way, you're gonna see cop number one and number two again because they are the the, the preeminent cops on the case. Right. And obviously they're still gonna be here. So. So I'm not going to go back on that again. I, I, I still think they're going to be pretty bad in general. And I guess that's that could be what happens. But uh, they they should obviously think that he found out information from Nacho and then got the people back. So um, I guess the way that they could get Nacho off is is if uh, is if they tell. Um, the prosecutors or or the police or whatever that they in fact just went out. And went camping, but that's. But they ransacked their own house. Yeah, but they, there's no evidence saying they did that. Like they, they, he could just tell them that uh, they should go back to their house, and uh, just say, "Oh, we just went camping." And you know, if someone came in here, it's crazy, whatever, you know. Yeah. But I don't know how it's gonna go. I mean, the other way it could go, like you're mentioning, is uh, he could say that he is bringing him back. Or he could say that uh, perhaps what he'll do, since he did find out that they stole the money, is that instead of taking the money, he's going to I think force. Kind of knew that they were going to be that they stole the money. He's going to force them to become his clients, and then at that point, he can just say it was client attorney privilege and they were camping. Oh, he's going to pull that off, huh? So, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, it could be. Uh, but I don't see any other thing. Like now that he knows. Doesn't he have to be their lawyer? Well, maybe they're gonna want to do that. I mean, how else? How else could could they make the situation good with him, unless he takes the money and gives some of it to Nacho or something? I mean, but that doesn't seem like it's along the lines of what we already uh, sort of have seen from Jimmy and from yeah. what we would expect from him, right? Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't. Look, he's going to sort of evolve into Saul at some point, right? Yeah, this is the very beginning of the series. Yes, well, of course. So you need to leave a lot of room for that. <laughs> so what did you think of the episode? It sounds like you kind of were falling off on it a little bit, maybe. I didn't say that. Well, you said that you weren't happy with parts of it, right? 
that's a little broad for what I said. I don't like the cops, and I don't think that the way that Mike and uh, Jimmy got together into having this sort of uh, this conversation, which was meaningful uh, in nature, uh, I don't think that it got there from a good place. Okay. But I didn't say I didn't like the episode. I mean, okay. I, didn't, I didn't say anything of the... Of well, that's good. The that's good. But you have to understand that, like, this is the kind of stuff that, for example... And I'm just going to take us back to another show that we watched. And, and regardless of, of whether or not, you know, you people listening out there uh, have watched the show or not. Like, there's a show called The Americans. And The Americans tends to be predictable. And it tends to uh, get places uh, by sloppy writing. Uh, it's like, it, it wants to go from one place to another. So it has another scene in between, which is kind of ridiculous. And, and I understand, you know, again, in, in that, uh, like, in that plot, it's, for example, uh, the, um, you know, it's kind of a Cold War, and I understand that there's a lot of covert things going on, but there's a difference between covert and stupid, right? So I think that whenever I see this kind of sloppy writing in shows, I have a problem with it because... It, shouldn't it be easier for them to actually write something that makes sense? Especially when they're being paid a lot of money on a hugely publicized platform. See, you have a bigger problem with it than I do. I personally I don't see too much like crazy with like the way that they did it. I'm okay with how they came to that conflict. I thought that was the most awkward scene I've seen in in quite a while. In quite a while, not just in that show, but in other things too. Yeah, between between Mike and the cops and Jimmy, that was a weird, awkward scene. That it wasn't the best scene in the show. It no. was never going to last. There was no tension. There was no. It seemed the whole time like it was just like characters that were in different worlds. Uh, you know, uh, almost like uh, let's say there were paintings of the characters and, and placed on top of layers on top of layers. Yeah, it's like uh, this is sort of an afterthought to get somewhere. You don't have to agree with me, but but this is what my opinion is. So, um, but but again, I don't want to to wash that the rest of the show away because I liked the rest of the of the TV program. Um, and, in general, I don't have any problem with what Vince Gilligan and and, uh, and Gould do on this program. I think that most of it is really good, um, and I like the montages, of course. Um, that's one of the things that were my most favorite from the program, actually. It's the end of the, the ending song. A little rockin'. Baby, you know me well. You know I me mean what I say. Before I say farewell, I'll give you one more so, day so you can uh, find out what's You know, we've got another episode coming up next week. It's called Hero, so it'll follow the, uh, Friend of episode title names, at least. Um, I'm excited for it. You're gonna find out that I'm gone. So, do you have any other thoughts about the episode? Tell me what you're gonna do. You uh, no. Okay, well, you know, uh, we'll see what happens next week. Uh, you know, see where Saul uh, picks up. He's in the middle of the nowhere with a big pile of money in front of him. All right. All right, so yes, join the TV Soup Podcast next week. Um, it'll be live uh, late on Tuesday night, Central Time. And you can listen to it uh, archived all week on our site or on Mixler. Follow us at Drink5 on Twitter. 
go to our website, drink5.com, and uh, enjoy Drink 5, Dave. Thank you, Jason. Cheers out there to, uh, to Better Call Saul. 